Welcome to another edition of the Built for the Storm podcast. Hosted by three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. Affelt brings it. Chopper on the infield. Affelt to the bag himself. Get ready to experience life's winding journey through the minds of proven leaders in the worlds of sports, business, and entertainment. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. As they draw up your own personal playbook to overcoming the odds and achieving real success. We just don't give up. We don't quit. You know how we pieced everything together, man. Seeing teams win like this, the way we win. What's the best way to weather a storm? Run into it head on, charging full steam ahead. This is unbelievable, you know, game seven. I mean, this will be a memory for a long time for me. I'm so happy I got to come to the park today. Here's the fearless leader of our pack, Jeremy Affelt. Welcome back to Built for the Storm podcast. I'm Jeremy Affelt, host of the show. I'm doing it from the brewery as usual at Free Roam Brewing Company here in Bernie, Texas. We're having a good time. I have an awesome guest also from Texas, actually has become more of a friend i wouldn't say a good friend yet i've met him a few times but he does a lot of good work Uh, and i'm gonna let him uh tell his story and explain everything about him but he's an interesting guy that i've really grown to respect through a lot of other men that i get to hang out with and uh, he is going to be our also our guest on uh on november men's night it's going to be awesome but nico lahood is here he is from san antonio and I'm not going to even try to butcher it. I believe you're the ex-DA or you were a DA of San Antonio, if I'm, if I'm correct. I was correct. Yeah, I, was, I am the former district att- elected district attorney of Bear County. So it's B-E-X-A-R. We, <laughs> it's not Bexar. It's Bear County. But it's, it's San Antonio. It encompasses, you know, Bernie is Kendall County. We're Bear County. So I was the, I was the elected district attorney for Bear County. That's awesome. But I, the reason I have you on is because your story is pretty incredible. I mean, no one wakes up and just, I mean, I assume most of this time when it comes to any kind of job in life, but no one wakes up thinking, you know what, I'm going to, I'm probably going to be a DA. Like, that's just what I'm going to do. So, I mean, I would probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your story tells a different one on that. But you've seen storms. You actually had to deal with storms. You had to tell somebody that you are in a storm and it's going to be a long journey through it. You've had to actually tell it and you've had to prove to people that they have to enter into a storm. And then you've also had to probably, I'm sure, defend storms throughout your Mm -hmm. career. But I kind of want to understand a little bit more about your story and how you even got into it. Where was your life path? How did your life path come into that? Like what was going on? Was this a childhood thing? Was it a teenager thing? Was it a, in your twenties? Like where did this story start? It was a God thing for sure, because on paper, I should be either dead or in prison. So, you know, San Antonio all my life, homegrown, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this earth and go to heaven from here, God willing. My mom grew up on the South side. She went to Harlandale High School. That's on the, uh, on the less affluent side of San Antonio. My pop grew up on Morales Street, which is the West side, another challenging area. My pop is full-blooded Lebanese. My mom's Hispanic. She's, her family's from Laredo. And so you know, we were taught to appreciate things in life, work hard. We grew up in the Catholic religion. So I was quote unquote Christian, didn't know what the hell that meant, but I just knew I was Catholic. And so I went to Catholic school all my life from Montessori to literally college, but uneventful, good family. I was the middle of three boys. My pop's a lawyer, practicing lawyer, served in, in the army for 24 years, two years active, 22 years reserve, knew that. Our country meant something to us. Our word meant something to us. That's the way my pop taught me. He 
he led us to believe that a lawyer is a good thing. Not, I mean, I hear all the lawyer jokes and most of them are, are, are warranted. So I mean, shit, I mean, we deserve it. I get it. The yeah, profession yeah, yeah. does not, not each lawyer, but he was a man of honor to me. His clients respected him. He said, you know, he taught me to honor my word and you say something, you mean it, mean what you say, say what you mean type deal. Your handshake means more than a piece of paper. It was that type of traditional American values, Christian, even though they didn't couch it in Christian terms, family meant everything. And so growing up, I was, went to high school, got out of high school, started working in bars. And, you know, I, you know, I thought you'd be bigger, you know, I was worked security and got into a bunch of scrapes and just started identifying myself with things that I wasn't raised under. Long story short, I won't give you the Reader's Digest version, but I got arrested for selling drugs when I was younger and I was working in these bars. Embarrassing. At the time, I, didn't, I wasn't embarrassed about it, but I remember my pop picking me up from downtown and he looked at me and said, what are you doing, son? I didn't raise you this way. And it was quiet the whole way. I mean, I tell the story that he gave me the silent treatment, the old school Lebanese silent treatment, and I wanted him to yell at me, cuss at me, tell me to change my last name, do something, but he, he gave me the silent treatment. Finally, I, I broke the silence when we got home and I said, Pop, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass your name. I just, you know, I wasn't thinking or whatever. Said, you don't embarrass me, son. And he sat back in his chair, you know, crossed his legs the way Mike LaHood does it. And he goes, you don't embarrass me, you embarrass yourself. He goes, don't ever forget this. You're my, you're my boy. You're my son. I'm going to love you no matter what. Hmm, like but I'm going to tell you something. Oh, he said that. He goes, I'm going to tell you. I didn't know it was Luke 15 at the time, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to love you no matter what. He goes, but remember this, it'll take you years to build up a good reputation and one second to screw it up. Don't mm. ever forget that. Don't make mm. it up to me, make it up to yourself. Now, it had to have sucked for Mike LaHood. He's a lawyer for decades. He's a magistrate judge. I mean, he was a mental yeah. health judge. I mean, can you imagine, hey, Mike, great job raising your kid. I heard he got pinched for selling dope, you know, whatever. It's yeah. like, man, yeah. that must have sucked. And then I had all the labels, you know, drug dealer, criminal, piece of crap, you know, whatever you want to call people that go through the justice system. And so I always talk to people about labels. I was labeled a drug dealer, a criminal, or whatever. Um, two years later, as I was trying to make it up to myself, and I really hadn't had a changed heart or a change, a renewed mind yet, on August 15th, 1996, at a, approximately 2.14 in the morning, my brother had, been come, had come home. He was, had friends were going to meet him back at the house. A young lady was following him. And these, these individuals, these four men were carjacking specifically women that night. And they were following her, not knowing that Mike was in front of her. They get to the house, they jump out. One of the guys does in the back and had put a gun to her. Mike told her to run. He gets in between her. They ask for his keys and wallet and they shoot him in the face in our driveway. Mm. Um, we all walk out literally minutes later. My aunt had been staying with us. My mom's sister at the time had been staying with us. My younger brother was there, myself, my parents. And, and I share with people an experience like that, Jeremy, what do you do with it? Mm. I mean, you know, and I'll talk about the, this, this addiction to this world being victims, you know, we're addicted to being victims, but I tell people that I heard my mom cry the way only a mom can cry. You know, I'm, I've been blessed. The Lord has trusted me with four of his creations and we have four children. And I always tell people, you couldn't blink fast enough before I'd give my life for any one of my kids. That's you right. can also wouldn't be able to blink fast enough before I would take a life for any one of my kids. You understand? Yep. And so a daddy's love, I think, is unique. It's needed, godly, but there's something inherently divinely special about a mommy's love for a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. And I heard a, and I've heard a lot of people cry in my career now. I'm 50 years old. I'll be 51 next week. And I've had the opportunity to see a bunch of crap, but there's nothing like a mom's cry. And mm -hmm. I heard my mom cry that way, not realizing what I was hearing. 
I saw my pop cry for the first time. Old school Lebanese dude doesn't cry in front of your boys. I mean, men don't That's cry. Right. But, his, but Mike Jr. was laying on his driveway with all his blood coming out of his head. I helped the investigators after the medical examiner's office showed up and the detectives load his body on the gurney. And you were and how old at this time? 96. I was 23. I was born in 72. So okay. 1996. Yeah, I was 23. It was and right your brother my birthday. Was, your brother was? He was, two years, he was two years older than me. He was 25. Okay. And, wow, and so I, yeah. And so, and so I helped my pop wash my brother's blood off our driveway. Mm. And it's, it's an interesting experience. But what do you do with that, Jeremy? You know, the world says, I don't blame you. Okay. What do you do with an, I don't blame you attitude? You become a prick. That's what happens. I mm. mean, you know, you're angry. You can't give what you don't have. All I had was anger and revenge and not understanding God. And I thought he was good. And why would he let bad things happen to quote unquote, good people? Yeah. I had a very, I had no understanding of scripture at the time. And you go through life and I was stuck in a prism, Jeremy, for years of, of anger and unforgiveness. I always tell people that I was a self-diagnosed because I didn't go get any help or talk to anybody. I was a self-diagnosed functioning angerholic. I was addicted to my anger. Yeah. And, and it, it drove me. Did, uh, but the anger, did, was it a symptom of something? Was it shame? What, did you ever sit back and be like, man, like, like, so when I heard that whole story and you were trying to, you your dad said, man, you didn't embarrass me. You, you embarrassed yourself, which is mm. true. But I still feel like in me, sometimes I'm like, yeah, but if it were me, I'd be like, I know I embarrassed myself. But like you said, but you're a lawyer, dad, you're a judge. People are looking at you. They're going to be like, man, yeah. you, you're supposed to be this law abiding you, and your own kid. You can't even control your own house. And then you're trying to get out. You're trying to, I'm, you know, the victim, I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to you know, make it right. And then all of a sudden you got a 25 year old brother gets shot right in front of you. You see your dad crying, you see your mom wailing. And it's like, mm. you, cause as a father, it's like, I'm just trying to get my kid. My kid got his driver's license yesterday and I cried when he got it. And he said, dad, why mm. are you crying? I said, because son, you're about to drive a weapon. I need you to stay mm. alive. Like that's Amen. what I, yeah. you, you, <laughs> but so you get him through all that. And it, it wasn't even a, it was a guy that jumps out and shoot, shoots your brother in the face. And it's like, you just took it from him. Like you, you, you took it from him and I had to hear it, see it. But then you're like, is there something that anger was like, man, I put my dad through a lot already. Now he had, he lost my brother and now he's just like, was there any kind of shame that made you angry? Like I'm ashamed of maybe, where I put my family, where I put now they're in this position. I got to make it right. And I've already screwed up a lot and I can't screw up this. Was it some of that you think, or you think it was just straight? I'm just pissed because I'm not in control of the situation that I wanted to be in control of. It was, it was good. The shame on the first incident being arrested for selling drugs was from my pop, you know, in the Lebanese communities, you know, your, your family name means something. Yeah. Not that other ethnicities, it doesn't, but especially the way we grew up you know, your name, your reputation. And I didn't understand the difference between character and reputation. I tell men now, I said, your reputation is what other people think of you. Your character is who you are. Now you should work on your reputation reflecting your character, but you can't control what other people think of you. You can just control your character and hopefully your character is reflected in your reputation. Uh, so I was embarrassed for my pop initially. Now, when it came to my brother's murder, I was angry and I was, I was angry because of regret, regret mm. that I wasn't there for Mike. Mm. regret that I never told him I loved him, mm. regret that I was too machismo, I never hugged him. 
regret that at the moment that Mike needed, Mike didn't, and, and he was a tough dude. I mean, we used to work in clubs together and he was, he could handle his own. It had nothing to do with whether he could fight or not. He just, it was a gun and he didn't have a gun. Um, but it was regret. There was not another time. And I thought to myself for years, I said, man, did Mike think, hey, Pop, he's at home. Nico, can one of you guys come out and shoot this son a little bit? Can somebody yeah. come out? Hello? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, it tortured me for years. Yeah. And to think he was at home. He wasn't in a parking lot somewhere. He wasn't at a bar. He was at home. And that, that wore me. And then, and then seeing my pop, how it affected him and my mom. And knowing, I knew then. I knew then. And when I laid by his body before we loaded it, they let me kind of sit by him for a while. I knew then there was going to be a new normal in my life, but I had mm. no idea what it was going to be like. And so that new normal, I don't think people embrace. They don't know how to deal with it. And so they get angry. And the world has no answer. Look, the world doesn't have answers for anybody. They have answers. They're just crappy ones. Yep. And so the world will say, I don't blame you. What do you do with I don't blame you, Jeremy? Well, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you take It's not comforting. Nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's no purpose in I don't That's blame right. you. I don't blame you means, okay, you don't blame me for being a prick. You don't blame me for being angry. You don't blame me for being whatever it is. People turn it into arrogance or promiscuity or whatever the symptom is to the root issue. That's right. I, but I don't blame you doesn't do it. And so I was stuck in that prism for 10 plus years, a long time. I was still trying to succeed. I was still trying to check off the boxes and accomplish things, finish undergrad, finally go into law school, things of that nature. I was just checking off the boxes. I had no purpose or drive or mission, not an eternal one at least. And so it was a very challenging sentence, so to speak, on this side of heaven. And it was, it was something that obviously comes to me now and, and I use, it's, it's Revelations 12, by the way, but. You, you overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb, what Christ did on the cross for you and, and the power of your testimony. And so that's what I try to do for others and try to plant seeds of hope and not hope in me, not hope in this world, not hope in yeah. yourself, but hope in something greater than all that. So did ever, those guys get caught? They did. Uh, they were caught that night. And I actually witnessed the execution of my brother's murderer, Mauricio Brown. And, okay. and there's a big journey to that. And so that, that, was, that was an experience in itself. You know, you go to Huntsville, they go through their protocol. They tell you what his last meal was, which I really didn't care. Yeah. And they ask you, why are you here? And I said, do you mind if I use a word? I'm going to tell you what I said to him. Do you mind if I use a word? Yeah, that maybe use not it, acceptable? Man. That's part of the story. Um, well, I, I, I said, it's none of your fucking business why I'm here. Mm. And he goes, well, I'm not trying to offend you. I remember the guy said, he goes, but some people regret watching it. Mm. It's not easy watching a man die. Mm. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. I mean, so I had I'd seen my brother passed on, yeah. my, on my driveway so I wasn't worried about this but and other folks but and he goes well people regret it some people regret it and so we just have to ask that question I said well I just I have to see I have to see this man go into God's hands I mean it was yeah. really that it, it, issue for me it's closure and sure. so when I was well it, it's never well, it's never closure I think to me it was it was true mm. justice because mm. well what does it mean Good if point. you believe you're an eternal if you re believe you're an eternal being then whatever happens on this side isn't truly justice. It's just, it's temporary. Yeah. But I, I think I had a feeling that he was truly in God's hands. And so whatever he decided at that moment would be okay with me. So I'm watching, they tell you not to yell because you're looking through a glass at the person on the gurney, mm. but his family, his mom and his sister were in the room next to us and they're just sheetrock and vents. Mm. And they say, look, you can imagine how that could just don't, don't ruin the privilege for other families by, you, know, you can imagine some people losing their crap, you know, like, F you, go to hell, ah, you yeah, know, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so I, I, I'll tell you this, Jeremy. So I heard his mom wail. And I said, man, she's crying pretty similarly than my mm. mom. And I, and I heard her collapse. 
and it hit me. I said, man, this dude, he victimized two families. He victimized our family, mm. but he also victimized his family. I mean, his mama didn't raise him to, so she could watch her son, yeah. you know, get executed. I remember having co tremendous compassion for her, mm. but I remember feeling that now for good, this true justice has happened. And so what I tell people is, if I see Mauricio Brown in heaven, I'll be okay with it. Mm. Wow, that's, that's incredible. between him and the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. look, I mean, I'd be, I'd be a hypocrite if I said I was a Christian. I mean, Paul was Saul of yeah. Tarsus. He was a damn murderer. I mean, yeah. David was such a horny bastard that he committed murder to cover up adultery. That's I mean, right. he was a man after God's own heart. Moses murdered the Egyptian yeah. so when he was angry. So, I mean, right. God has, is, a, is a redemptive God. He's a God of mercy if we repent. And so I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say that I'm happy to embrace Mauricio Brown. But do you think heaven. that that, because you were able to, yes, you would have been a hypocrite, but a lot of people can't get there emotionally and mentally. A lot of people can't get there to where it's like, they still carry it and you can see people like, so I was, when I was, uh, I was watching, um, a video of the green, uh, he was a guy that d killed a lot of people called the green. It was over in Seattle where he was a mass okay. murderer. He was just a crazy mm -hmm. guy and he killed a lot of people. And there was, and he was on the stand. Okay. Convicted him to life, did all this stuff. He's going to probably die. And they had all the families come up and talk like on yeah, what they felt. They call them victim, victim impact statements. Yep. Mm -hmm. Victim impact statements. Exactly it. So, and this was, this was a long time. This was like years because this guy didn't get caught for a really long time. Right. So it was like 20 years later, like that this kind of, kind of guy got kind of figured out and got caught. And then the victims, families or kids would have been 30 or whatever. And one family was just, they looked down old, you know, just beaten down, most angry, bitter, and they're like, I hate you. You deserve hell. All this stuff, just burying this guy. And he just sat there. He didn't even show any tears, no remorse. He just looked at him. And then this other guy gets up there and he kind of looked a little, I felt like he looked a little bit like Santa Claus, had a beard, but jolly, just like gets up there and he goes, you know, you, you, you put a door over my daughter after you killed her. You literally put a door over and covered it up. Macy said, you're not, you're, you're shut out for life. Like you killed her, you put a door over, you buried her. And the guy stared at him. He looked, he looked at him and goes, but you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you what you did to my daughter. And I've had to work through it. And I, he goes, I hope you find Jesus. I really, mm -hmm. really do. Because if you do, it'll be the best redemption you can ever think about your entire life. And frankly, for me, that's the Come only on. way. To, and this, this guy started crying. Yeah, in the He actually, because he felt someone forgive him. He already knew everybody was angry and Powerful. bitter and frustrated, pissed off and F you. He got that. But this guy, when he did the opposite and showed that almost like Christ love, godly love, redemption, you know, like, it was incredible what it did to his soul. Forgiveness is a, is a, is a command. It's, it's not, it's not, and it's not a feeling. So I heard mm. someone say years ago, and oh, it's so man, true, un unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies, right? It's spiritual cancer. I know I got physically sick over it. I mean, there's an Eastern philosophy that says when your mind suffers, your body cries out. How does stress kill people? How is stress a silent killer? Have you thought about that? There's something that physiologically that happens to the body. Think about unforgiveness. Yeah. And so when I was going through my journey and I was, I was, I was teetering back on, on Christianity and I was pissed at God and I, mean, I cussed him out, I'm sure a number of times, didn't have the balls to do it out loud, but he's not like he can't read my mind, but whatever. 
he can deal with it. He's he's he knows how he he's knows pretty, what, he's what, what it is. He's got thick he's got thick spiritual skin. Yeah, and then I yeah, I remember yeah. I remember saying, Christ, what, Jesus, what do you know about forgiveness? And then, and then you know the Holy Spirit took me to the cross eventually. When Jesus was on the cross naked, he didn't have some stupid ass. Yeah, cloth. yeah, yeah. He was naked. Many scholars believe his organs were exposed. He was unrecognizable in the face. And the two guys on the sides of him are ridiculing him. Save yourself. You're the son of man. You know. And then he says, Father, forgive them for they uh, don't know what they do. We, that had such a powerful effect on the, on the dude on the left that he says, will you just remember me when you enter your kingdom today? Mm. And then he says, today, surely you'll be with me in paradise. You know? And so there's power in forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean those people that executed him and crucified him and that he allowed to do that went to heaven. They still have to repent. But he was showing the power of forgiveness, that it's a choice. I guarantee you he didn't feel like it. Mm. Forgiveness is never a feeling. If you wait till you feel like forgiving, you'll never forgive. It's a choice. You choose forgiveness and your feelings show up after the choice. And there were times that I prayed, I said, Lord, I don't know how to forgive this son of a bitch. And I would just, I would, I would talk to God like that. I don't know, but you modeled it for me. I mm. choose forgiveness. I choose to forgive. Show me what that looks like. Help me to walk out in that. Mm. And if, I don't know if you ever saw that Netflix special they did on I Am A Killer. I, I did there's not a, there's see that. An, there's a series on Netflix called I Am a Killer. Well, our, our family story is on season one, episode two. Oh, really? And so I actually met with the other guy that got the death penalty, Kenneth Foster, his, his grandpa. And I met with him. He's a beautiful man. I, I believe he's, he's gone on to heaven now. He loved the Lord, tried to do his best to raise his grandson. And I, I, I met with him and Kenneth's dad. So the grandpa is Mr. Foster, who I uh, met with a number of times, and the dad. And I remember they were in my office. I was a district attorney and they came to visit me because they thought I had the, the authority to, to give Kenneth some type of reprieve or commutation, which they were mistaken. But I still met with them and they said, Mr. LaHood, you know, we're both very sorry for what happened to you and your family. And I said, okay, I appreciate your sentiment. And I looked them there in the eyes and I said, but you know, you don't owe me an apology, right? Mm. And man, they wept in my office. Mm. I said, you didn't do anything to me. I go, Kenneth is something different. I have forgiven him. I've given him over to the Lord. But, and they wept in my office. We talked about faith. We prayed together, took pictures. That's why the whole, this is another topic. I'm not trying. That's why the whole BLM incorporated and all that stuff that really got to me. And I, and I took it personal because you don't hold someone in bondage for something they didn't do. That's not biblical. Yeah. And so I, I wasn't going to hold Mr. Foster and Mr. Foster in bondage for something they didn't do. Mm. I said, if, unless you raised him to carjack women. Yeah. And to shoot brown people, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, but but I, I have no evidence of that. So you don't owe me enough. But I appreciate your sentiment. There was freedom in that. You know, wow. There was freedom in that. So the Lord has taken me on a, just an incredible journey of understanding forgiveness as a choice model mm. that Christ modeled for me. And I'm just raw about my faith, Jeremy. You know, I finally tapped out years ago. It's been a while now where I just kind of said, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know you're real. I don't know why I know that but I'm just going to try it your way. And I mm. need to understand my faith. I, I quit reading the Bible and I started studying the Bible. I took off my, like my PG rated glasses <laughs> and that book, <laughs> you right. have to work really hard to make that book boring. Yeah. And that's a raw ass book, man. Yeah. You go through Genesis and judges oh, yeah. and I mean, it's X rated, R rated. It's just real raw, which is why we have the podcast, but yeah. real raw. It's just, it's just, and that's what Christ was. And so I fell in love with the historical Christ before I accepted him as the Messiah. Mm. It was a fascinating journey for me. I studied the evidence of, of the Bible and, yeah. and Christ's life. Yeah, so you got the ability to forgive, which was incredible, uh, very tough to do. Forgiveness is actually 
it's a simple word, but like you said, it's a command, not a feeling, but it's a command because commands are usually because it's not that easy to do. So, right. you know, you like, can't do it by yourself. You yeah, can't do it by yourself. That's right. And you can't. That's right. You can't do it alone. You're commanded to love your neighbor as yourself. That's really hard to do sometimes, you know, like it's yeah. just very, very difficult to do those things because you're right. Those commands are actually, and if you think about it, there's not a lot of commands in the Bible. Everything incorporates within the love of your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, forgiveness included, Man. but it can't Matthew be done unless you have Jesus. Yeah. Like it cannot be yeah. done. It's very, it, it's it can't. So, uh, yeah. so I appreciate that insight as well, but you, you've got that. But then you said something to me, you said, when I saw my brother's killer die, that was justice. That's what it was for me. So you become a DA. Did that birth the reason you became a DA? Cause you sought justice. No. Or what, <laughs> no. what was that? How do you get there? How do you run for district attorney in the sixth largest city of the, in the country, having been arrested for selling drugs? That, that's my and whole thought process. I'm, I'm trying to I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's why I said it's a divine appointment. Yeah. I, that yeah. was never in my, I wanted to be a badass defense lawyer. I wanted to make a crap ton of money. I wanted to fight for people to hold the constitution, keep the government in check. I mean, I was that dude, man. Yeah. Kick down doors and fight for me. And I'm a, I trained to be a trial lawyer. It's, it's a specific skill set. You don't just go to law school. It's like not every doctor is a surgeon. You have to train to be a surgeon. That's right. Same thing with trial work. And so I was in office. The, the Lord was working on me. I already gave my life to Christ and I was in ministry and I was doing the Bible study. I, mean, I, was, I was leading men, doing my best, lead, trying to let the Lord lead me instead of me lead myself. And I was just on a rant, one of the Nico LaHood rants where I was bitching at lunch to a bunch of lawyers and, and a future judge about how the, my predecessor, the former DA before me, was running the office. And they said, why don't you run for office? Those are great ideas. I go, yeah, well, whatever, man, I can't run for DA. But a seed was planted. Uh, and then I said, why the hell can't I run for DA? Who says I can't run? What do you mean I can't run for DA? Then the Lord used some of my old school flesh. Yeah. You know, God can use a jackass if he needs to. Yeah. And so I said, I can run for DA. Don't tell me I can't run for DA. And then it was almost a defiance, that old school BC before Christ defiance I had yeah. that the Lord navigated through. And so I ran for DA the first time. It wasn't my time, wasn't successful. And I thought, all right, Lord, well, I was obedient, done, over, whatever, almost won. They attacked me for being a drug dealer, for having tattoos, for all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, and then the Lord called me off the bench again. And I was, I was not willing to go. I said, I ain't going this time. And they said, you almost won last time. You can do it this time. I'm telling you, that's not going to be a new issue anymore. People know about your past. You, were, you, you confronted it. You, did, you handled it right, blah, blah, blah. You have a wonderful redemptive story. All the, and I remember talking to my wife about it. And she goes, chulo is a term of, ende of endearment in Spanish. She goes, chulo, whatever you decide, I mean, I'll back you up. I was like, well, shit, that's not very insightful because my buddy George <laughs> said, no, the Holy Spirit will talk through your wife. I go, hey, what do you think about me, chulo? What do you think about me doing it? And, and that's why I left. I go, I mean, I would, Jeremy, I'd leave the house. I'm doing it. Okay, chulo, have a, love you. And I come home, why the F did you tell me? Tell me, I can't do this again. No, man, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I did that back and forth. Finally, one day, I'll never forget it, man. Changed everything. I sat my wife down. We had two children at the time. One of our, one of our children is on the spectrum of autism. We can talk about that if you want to. That's another challenge that, that, yeah. that attempted to challenge my faith, yeah. which is a big part of my testimony and my journey. And so I sat her down and it's not a quiet home because Michael stems, our son stems, verbally and physically also, but he's, he verbally stems. And he was younger back then, so he stemmed a lot. And I said, Chula, I really need to hear from you. What do you believe, what do you think the Lord is saying to you? Do you think I should run for DA again? It's a big decision. 
I'll never forget. And it was quiet. I mean, it was quiet. Like, I mean, I didn't hear anything. I mean, it might have been the house could have been burning down, but I wouldn't have heard it. And she goes, I know your heart. And she said it this way. And I know what you would do for the people. I can see you as the DA. Mm. And that was it. I wow. never looked back. And there were times that people said, oh my gosh, this is too much. We can't overcome. I said, I don't care. I got the green light, man. I'm, I'm, there's nothing going to dissuade me. When she said it that way, I know your heart and I know what you would do for the people. I can see you as the DA. I didn't turn back. Yeah. And I won. That's the back. I, 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 I won. Yeah, I won. And, and I'm proud of my work in there. I saw things that people shouldn't see. Yeah. Um, I worked with law enforcement that didn't support me at first because I was still that former drug dealer. Sure. And then because they saw the way, way I w conducted myself in the office. I always tell people, excuse my language, I was a shitty politician, but I was a damn good public servant. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. I think people would you know? prefer that, actually, sometimes. Well, I think yeah. they do. You know, I, I kind of, maybe I did it before it was cool to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I just knew that my journey had led me to a point, Jeremy, where I had been sterilized of all my fake, fleshy yeah. BS. Yeah. I wasn't going to, I was going to be anything but a fake ass poly. I couldn't stand poly. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you how God is funny. Because he's funny, dude, man. God yeah, is funny. Yeah. And, and so when the second guy, Kenneth Foster, in that I Am a Killer series, if you ever watch it, Kenneth Foster, his, his sentence was commuted, meaning it was reduced from death penalty to life in prison because he was the driver, not the shooter, even gotcha. though the jury chose death on him before the shooter because he was on probation for shooting two men already, uh, future danger. Strikes, they they yeah. chose him. Yeah. yeah. We, under the law of parties, he was directing everybody. I mean, he carried the gun one time, just and my brother's shooting. He didn't have the gun in his hand, but he had it before. So it was a long story. But And, and so they, I was on the way up to, to Huntsville to witness his execution. And then the Associated Press called and said, hey, uh, have you heard anything about the sentence being commuted? I was like, no. The governor's office, the Board of Pardons and Proles, Huntsville hasn't called. Okay. So the press called three times. Finally, I'm shortening the story. Huntsville called. And said, Mr. Little, we're really sorry. Because I'd called him in between. We're really sorry. We just got notice from the Board of Pardons and Paroles. Um, the, the sentence has been commuted. Please turn around. I said, this son of a bitch didn't even have, Rick Perry. I'll, yeah. I'll say it to his face. Governor Perry. Didn't have the courage, the balls, the, the respect to meet with my family. Mm. Nothing. So then I went through senators and state reps that I knew to set up a meeting. Look, you can't change it, but at least give me the respect. Yeah. Never turned my call. Never. So if I, if, I, if I saw Governor Perry, I would not shake his hand because a handshake means something to me. Yeah, I'd yeah. ask him if he'd want to hear why I won't shake his hand. And then by God's grace, we'll shake hands after, right? But I made a promise to myself. <clears throat> I said, and I never thought about being DA, Jeremy. I yeah. said, if I'm ever in that position, not that I ever thought I would be, to make a decision, I would never not meet with the family. Yeah, yeah. I said that. I literally said that. And, and like I said, God has humor. I've been in the toughest meetings you can imagine where either I was choosing death or not choosing death on a death penalty case. And I'm seasoned 20 year plus prosecutors said, man, boss, Nico, I don't think you want to meet with them. I go, do they want to meet with me? Yes. Do you think it's sincere? Yes. Then I'll meet with them. Mm. I mean, I'm talking fire through eyes. Yeah. One time this lady and her husband were there. I chose against death because I had to think about what juries do, the law, the facts. I mean, you have to think about the current state yeah. of the case law, you know, and she was being, I go, ma'am, I'm, I'm meeting with you. I have a courtesy because you deserve to be met with and because you deserve that honor and because your son matters. But I'll be damned if I'm going to let you walk into my office and disrespect me when I'm showing you respect. Yeah. So we can either stop this meeting. And I looked at her like I, as serious as she was looking at me. And she goes, may I excuse myself? I go, yes, ma'am, you may. I stood up. She st stepped out of my office. The husband said, I'm really sorry, Mr. Lujera, don't apologize to me. When she came back, 
I said, don't apologize. I get it. You know, I wasn't being rude. I yeah, said, yeah. I understand, sir. They gave back and I shared my testimony with her about what I shared with you mm. about my journey. And my mom, she wept in front of me. Um, we prayed together and she hugged me on the way out. Mm. You know, I, those kind of meetings, brother, I'm talking about, and I would have never been able to handle those meetings without the Holy Spirit, without biblical principles, without having that grit that the Lord trained me up. It's James 1, 2 through 4, right? Yeah. Counted pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. perseverance Let right. perseverance finish its work. And so you will be mature and lack nothing. So perseverance has a purpose to God. Yeah, it depends think, how we look at it. And I think you know? that's the whole point of the storms, exactly what you were saying. Like, there's, you don't just go through a storm to go through them. If they are inevitable. They will happen. Whether you bring them it's upon yourself or someone else brings it upon you. In your case, you've gone through both, right? You And we all do, mm-hmm. but you've had some pretty big ones. And some you've brought on, some were brought upon you. But they are all for the reflection of the kingdom of God. They're all for witnessing. They're all for promoting God in some way, shape, or form. And some people listening are going to disagree with that. But the reality of it is, is you were able to sow into that family because of your story. You were able to help that woman heal because of your story. If you were to tell her some of these things and you don't actually have a witness account to it, people aren't going to, they're like, great, you don't know what I'm going through, but you know what she's going through. Well, I've seen the opposite of that, Jeremy. I've actually seen people that try to do it their way and they're miserable. They end up suiting up drugs, 14 divorces in prison, yeah. miserable because they don't think you know, it's Matthew twenty two thirty six. Love the Lord your God with everything then love your neighbor as yourself. Right. What if you don't love yourself? How can I love my I, it's That's a right. capacity issue? I can't give you what I don't have. If you want 20 bucks from me, but I only have 10, I can't give you 20 bucks. Mm, and like so that. when you submit to something greater than yourself and if you believe that you're an eternal being, that this is not the end of the road for you. And you're persuaded that Romans 8, 28 is real. That if you hand it over to God, that God works all things out for the good of those who what? Love him, yep. relationship, and are called purpose, by his purpose. Yep. That means obedience. So relationship with Christ, obedience to his will. Then he can work it all out. I guarantee you, I can bore you with, not bore you, but just inundate you with stories of in a moment, someone's going through that storm. They're saying, there's no way God's going to redeem this. How? Yep. It doesn't work out that way. People from the Holocaust, people that had great, great grandparents that were slaves, people that dealt with multiple murders, people that deal with special needs and kids being stolen or kidnapped or whatever. I'm just talking about horrific stories of torture, but yet two generations down, you don't think that they'd be the same person if it wasn't for that thing? We don't think generationally, Jeremy. We're so selfish and we have a microwave mentality. We want instant relief. We don't think that there's a purpose for our pain, that there's a purpose in our problem. Mm. If, there's the big if, if we hand it over to God, if we say, I suck. I mean, I, when I did life my way, I got arrested for selling drugs. I was miserable and my misery and my unforgiveness caused me to physically mm. deal with a tumor. I mean, I had, I mean, I'll just say it. I had cancer. I mean, I, I, I physically dealt with that. So my way sucked. And so I'm not saying that when you hand your life to Christ, that things get easier. James 1, 2 through Romans 3 through 5. Second Corinthians, I mean, it's all over the place that you're going to go through some trouble in this world. It's not that it's going to be easy, but it's worth it. Mm. It's worth it generationally, but it's also worth it eternally. Now, if you're persuaded by that, and if you're not persuaded by that, that's cool. Then keep doing it your way and see how it works out. But if you're persuaded by that, if you're persuaded by that, then you look at the world differently. Your purpose is different. You start thinking different. You start thinking eternally. Here's what I tell people. We need to think eternally but live generationally? Are we living for our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren? We don't think generationally anymore. 
You think our founding fathers lived for themselves? That's right. Most yeah, of them lost that. everything. That's right. But they had a vision and experiment in mind that we are benefiting from today if we don't, mm -hmm. if we do it, handle it right. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That, that to me is important. You have to think it's not about you. You know, it's never about you. Even though you're going through it, it's not about you. That's awesome, man. How, but how Christ uh, modeled that for me. That's he right. He modeled that for me in my faith. Like I said, I, I studied the historical. I mean, I mean, I love debating atheists and agnostics and just having friendly talks, passionate. I mean, look, we all can't be right. That's, I mean, Hindu, yeah, right. I studied Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, you know, pantheism. I mean, you, you, we can't all be right. We can all be wrong, including me and our Christian faith. We, can all, we just can't all be right. Yeah. Truth matters, you know. Winston Churchill said the most valuable thing in the world is the truth. Mm. And so I always self I always self describe myself as a truth scavenger. Mm. I mean, a scavenger hunt, you start looking for stuff, right? I yeah. mean, you're not just yeah. like, no, I mean, I'm looking, I, I want the truth. The truth matters to me. It matters to God. He hates lies. Proverbs 6, 16 yep. says he hates lies. If you read the six things he hates mm -hmm. because it's antithetical to his character. His character is one of love, justice, and truth. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to make up truth. Truth is objective. It's not subjective. That's right. right? And so that's been my journey and it's been a rough one, but then once, yeah. but I think all of that, you, cause you, you, all this conversation came from that original discussion question. You said, what prepared you to be DA? Yeah. And I think all that prepared me to be, DA. I, I, you have definitely painted that picture. That's an, that's an incredible deal because I couldn't imagine what you've had to see, deal with, think about, process. Man, but then the ability for you to be able to relate, I think, is pretty awesome. Because sometimes I feel like I've met, I've met with a lot of lawyers. I've been divorced, so I had to deal with a lot of lawyers. And sometimes yeah. you look at them and you're like, man, you don't, you literally, I'm a case to you. You don't, you don't really mm -hmm. know what I'm feeling yeah. you're going through. Because unless you've been divorced, and some of them might have been, but mine wasn't he did a good job for me, but it was kind of like, but yeah, but I'm still, there's, you don't have the ability to really give me anything right here because I'm just a case. You're trying to win on an argument. You know, I need, I needed some encouragement sometimes and it was tough to get from that, but I think you give the opposite with what you had to go. Well, through you know, there. I tell people, I tell, when I was DA, I had 200 lawyers that worked with me and those 500 members in that, the largest law firm in Bear County. And I said, you're not just dealing with a, a file. This is not just paper. There's people behind this. So remember, our oath is to ensure justice is done. Let's do things right. Mm -hmm. Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord ask of you? But to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, right? Mm -hmm. Wonderful prescription to do life, especially in the justice system. I go, guys, we have a lot of tools at our hands. Let's do what's right for people, for the complainant, for the accused, for the community. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discretion. There's not a one-size-fits-all. And as a defense attorney, I told the staff and, and our lawyers, I said, let's not worry about the profits. Let's worry about people. Let's apply principles that the culture of this office subscribes to and the profits will follow. Mm. I, I, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. It's purpose driven. So when you talk about living with purpose, I said, what's your purpose as a Christian? I think every follower of Christ has two purposes, but they work together is to know God and to make him known to mm. others. Mm. That's it. You know God first, can't give what you don't have. That's know right. God first and make him known. What does it look like as a lawyer? What does it look like as a DA? I mean, I, that wasn't my identity. Most people in politics, they lose their crap after they get out of politics because they lose the title and they, all the authority or the whatever influence they had. I was the DA. That's what I did. That's not who I was. That was just a temporary position. I'll stay there as long as the Lord wants me there. And I'm out. I didn't skip a beat. I mean, where I came from, what I overcame, I wasn't going to camp out there. He wanted me to stay there for as long. I'll stay there as long as I'll go wherever. So 
it's really a mind shift change. It's, it's, you know, do not conform to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Proverbs 20, that's Romans 12, but Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So you'll never live beyond what you believe, Jeremy. So the question we all have to ask ourselves, what do you truly believe? What do you believe about life purpose, where you're going from this, you know, origin, morality, meaning, and destiny that everybody has to answer those questions. Where do you come from? What is the good definitions of right and wrong? What is your purpose on this earth? And where are you going when you leave? Yeah. Atheist awesome. to the Christian to the four questions everybody has to answer coherently. And and I think Christianity is the only one that answers that in, in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That is good. Do you have a problem forgiving? I have a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got but a lot of problems, man. Still... You've had to forgive a lot. Do you have a problem forgiving or do you so in on this where it's like no no it is absolutely the way to go that it is every time something happens you can just forgive right away or is it still a process for you oh no no dad i'm 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 a, I'm a fiery dude man i mean so i'm i'm the jesus in the temple knocking over tables matthew 23 cussing out the pharisees i mean that's i mean that's in my my my, my dna but i submit myself to christ and so it's a choice i forgive a lot easier now i've still been refined i mean he keeps God can, you don't ever arrive, right? You continue to be pruned. You yeah. know, you prune your trees and then they grow out and you got to prune them again. That's what that's sanctification. Yeah. God's continually prune, pruning me. So, but I, I, I don't hold things the same way, but when it's time to go, I go, I have no problem getting sideways, sign the waiver. Let's go outside, whatever you want to do. But that's my mentality too. I mean, I'm, I don't believe a Christian is a doormat or a pacifist, any of that crap. Yeah. There's nothing biblical about that. So I, I just, Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything under the sun, mm. but there's always a time to forgive. That's a demand. So even mm. though I, there's no reconciliation, I still am commanded to forgive. Reconciliation is different than forgiving. Yeah. And I've been tested even since all this stuff in, in close relationships. I've had to choose forgiveness and the Lord has always shown up. Mm. Not right away sometimes because he's still working on me, but um, I'm, I have a completely different outlook. I don't even recognize my old self sometimes. Yeah, I think one of my one of my mentors told me he's like, forgiveness is not for other people; it's for you. Like, it's for you. Yeah, it, it, it is not because you can't forgive. For one, you can't actually, and you can forgive how people affected you, but you always you can't always unless they ask you for forgiveness. You can't necessarily forgive them for what they did, but you can forgive how they affected you, and that's what can always happen whether they ask for it or not. I, I forgive what they've done to affect me, and that actually helps you heal. It is for you to forgive. It is not for the other person. And, and, but still, that to me, is, it's a humbling thing to forgive somebody because you want, especially if you don't feel justice. So that's it's my biggest It's an obedient thing. thing. But see, but this is, okay, here's the deal. What do you consider justice? Mm. Here's what I realized. Nobody gets away with it, brother. If our faith is true, and I think the overwhelming evidence is the Christian faith is absolutely true. Yeah. And so nobody gets away with it. Scripture says everyone has to give an account for everything that they did on this earth, period, end of story. Mm. And so what's justice? I'm not playing small ball. I'm playing long ball. Forgiveness is a powerful tool, and it's a spiritual weapon, actually. And so it, it has nothing to do with my feelings. And so it's something you have to practice. Mark eleven twenty two is, is another passage. It says, if you tell that mountain to move and go throw itself in the, in the sea, if you ask in my name, it'll happen for you, right? Mm. But while you're doing it, Believe that I am who I am, meaning believe God is sovereign, that he's got the power to do anything. And number two, forgive. Mm. So what, what I, say, I struggle with that. Well, if you want God to move a mountain in your life, why do you have to forgive? Think about it. If God comes to you and says, hey, Jeremy, I got, a, I got this wonderful blessing for you, but you got to walk away with it and put it in your pocket. Oh, no problem, Lord. 
oh shit, I got a bunch of stuff in my pocket. What do you have in your pocket? Well, I got unforgiveness. I got hatred. I got anger. I got yeah. grudges. I got, your pockets are full with all your baggage, all your crap. You can't put a blessing in your pocket. That's uh, the, that, that's the, I'm like a trial that. lawyer, so I need an analogy. But that's the analogy like the Holy Spirit put on my heart after years of studying Mark eleven twenty two 22 and, and, and 24, that God says, why is he so big on forgiving? Because number one, we've, how can we fill our pockets with any blessing? And sometimes blessing is just a piece of God. It doesn't mean it has to be financial blessing, but because you're, you got too much you're holding on to, too much baggage. Mm. And man, I had so much baggage that it actually got me sick. Mm. So I like that. I, I do like it because there's been times yeah. where I've, I've wanted to not forgive and I'm like, man, I have to, but it's, I really appreciate what you said, man. Forgiveness is a command, not a feeling because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't feel like forgiving. That's not what you're mm -hmm. asking you to do. You're not asking. Sometimes. When do you ever? Yeah. Give me an example when you feel yeah, like forgiving. I'm not Never. jumping on that train of like, oh, I can't wait to forgive him for pissing me off, but it is very freeing. Uh, it is very freeing. Let me tell you what was big for me on Luke 15. So Luke 15, when I realized that God, that Jesus was obsessed with lost things and I was lost as hell. It really turned me to him. So Luke 15 talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost son, right? Yep. The prodigal son. So the prodigal son is within his daddy's blessings. He's a selfish prick. He wants all of his, he wants all of his inheritance. And, and back in that culture, you had to, your dad had to die to get your inheritance. So he says, I'd rather you die. Think about the undertones and get the money over the relationship. All right, son, stay in my blessing. Now I can do it my way. We all think that, right? So he goes off. He's, you know, screwing chicks, he's partying, whatever you wanted the analogy. Yeah. And he ends up spending all his money and he's in, he's a slave and he's eating pig slop. And talk about this. It wasn't like he was repentive and he was on top of the world. He was at the bottom of the barrel, like Jonah, right? In the yeah. whale's belly. He was at the bottom of a whale's belly going, man, my daddy's servants are treated better than me. I'm going to go back to him. Not because he had a change of heart. It was a necessity. And so God uses those circumstances. So he goes back and he's practicing his forgiving lines. I've offended God and I've offended you and all this, all this religious stuff. His daddy sees him. This is the parable Jesus is telling, right? It's in red. So the daddy sees him coming. He doesn't even wait. He doesn't make him grovel. He doesn't make him lash or ask for forgiveness. He runs out to him and he says, let's celebrate. You know, my son was lost and now he's found. Now the other brother's pissed off. The religious prick back there. Pop. What are you talking about? Yeah, I've never yeah. done that to you. You've never given me a party like this. And he goes, what are you talking about, son? Everything I have is yours. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. No one says he got an inheritance back. You can pick your choices. You can't pick your consequences. That's right. He says, everything I have is yours, but your brother was lost and he's found. We should rejoice. Now, what is the takeaway from that? He never lost his identity as his daddy's kid. So he was back in his dad's blessings, very consistent with scripture that says that God makes dare I say, rewards or assessments for people depending on their obedience. It doesn't mean you're checking off the box, but a just God would make assessments on your level of obedience. So the lost son was brought back into his daddy. There's a celebration in heaven. He's back with his daddy in his blessings, but he never said he got his inheritance back. That's fast. I and mean, there's so much to study there. And that's why I say study the Bible, don't read it. So when I yeah. found out, when I realized that Jesus was obsessed with lost things and I was so lost, it just endeared me to him more. It's so practical. I yeah. really have a, a very deep practical understanding of scripture. Man, this has been great. Thank you, man. This is <laughs> no seriously. This it, is this is no, this, I this is <laughs> it's been fun, man. I just I think you've hit me on a lot of different levels, uh, just on what to think about and process, and and uh, mm. I'm sure a lot of the listeners too. But uh, man, this has been some eye opening stuff. I really appreciate the conversation. 
uh, Nico. Well, if you would honor great. me in the future, if we could do another one, I mean, we could talk about my son's journey through autism. That's that's, that's the I, second part. It's like part two. And, yeah, then, and, and then post being in office, that out of office, there was a whole nother level of attacks. And so we can talk about that and, and my, my health journey and all that stuff. Hey, man, to. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, it's very insightful. And I think that you've been put through some incredible things health-wise, kids, family, everything's kind of come against you. And, and uh, yeah. I think there'll be a lot to learn from all these aspects, man. I, I enjoy having you on. So I'm definitely setting up Thank another you. one because I think it'd be, Thank you. I think everybody. Uh, deserves it, man, to hear from you. So I think it's been you, uh, it's been I'm special. But you that. also have a podcast, correct? Yeah, we have two of them. We uh, we have an R-rated Christianity on Thursday nights. It's a it's an apologetics podcast. The R stands for real, raw, and redemptive. And so you know, it's, we just kind of do current events, scripture. We do it in a raw way. And then we have a podcast called Sidebar. It's on Facebook Live and radio on Saturday mornings at nine a.m. Okay, and on the podcast on that's, the R-rated, more where do you grab events. that? Any of them? Any um, podcasts? YouTube, Facebook, YouTube are the main ones. Okay. And then on the other one, it's YouTube, Twitter, iHeartRadio. Oh, good. The, the one on nine in the morning is a, it's a radio show, WAI. And it was initially, it, it's more of a current events, political. There's a biblical undertone too. Yeah. But it's more current events and, and politics. Oh, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. If you're listening, tune into that. I actually need to tune into those. Uh, I've known about them. And, <laughs> just forget but no i appreciate everything we will set up another one uh so okay. if you listen stay honored. tuned uh nico will be back trust me because i want uh i want you on here man i think it's a it's a special time and then uh, maybe we'll what we can do is uh well if it doesn't exhaust you when you come out for men's night uh maybe you jump out oh. a little bit before you and i do a podcast here in the studio and I'm, talk about stuff I, before you go on i, I would love be it great. i'd love It'd it awesome. i'm very humbled by by the opportunity thank you oh this is great You've been dialed into the Built for the Storm podcast with Jeremy Affel. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. If you like what you heard, please like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Jeremy Affel here for Free Roam Brewing Company. Do you enjoy craft beer? I do. So I started Free Roam Brewing Company. Our logo, environment, and community all reflect the mighty buffalo, a creature built for the storm. It symbolizes inner strength, perseverance, and a love of freedom. Here at Free Roam Brewing Company, we are determined to strengthen our community through the love of craft beer. Our premium quality lagers and ales reflect the diverse experiences and tastes of our community. In a boundless world of potential beer styles, we cherish the freedom to roam. So if you're in the Bernie area, whether local or passing through, Join us on Main Street and enjoy your freedom. Jeremy Affel here for the Hotel Via. I know you've heard it's at the intersection of sports, technology, and entertainment. But for me, it's my home away from home when I visit San Francisco. I can give you 50 great reasons why I chose Hotel Via, but it's easier for me to say it provides all the comforts of home, family owned and operated, and of course, it's across from the beautiful Oracle Park. So when you're coming to San Francisco for business, pleasure, vacation, or just coming to a sporting event, check in to the Hotel Via.